Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You want the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. All right, we are back. Welcome back to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Zach is here. I am Faraz. We are going over camp hype get hyped get hyped get hyped zach it's time who isn't already here i know man so many videos going around so many reports flying on twitter from beat reporters and everyone who's at camp this is a fun time this is a fun time this just means like to me this just means that we're we're here like football season is we're back you know and (laughs) preseason starting in about a week which is kind of crazy if you think about it the hall of fame game is coming up and i'm gonna watch the whole thing um <laughs> <laughs> with like third fourth string uh you know players or whatever it is what it is um you take what you but can this get is, this is this is the time of the year man uh football season is right around the corner and there are a lot of storylines coming out a lot of players being hyped and we're just gonna go through everything we've heard all the stuff that's relevant and kind of break it down and you know, make sure we're not, you know, chasing things we shouldn't be chasing and what has some legitimacy behind it. Let's talk about it all. All right. Yeah. That's what we're here for. Okay. There were a couple pieces of news that I wa- just wanted to talk about real quick. Like Dalvin Cook, uh, it has been confirmed that he is visiting the Jets today. Aaron Rodgers did, just redid. That. Yeah. He just redid his contract. Uh, he took a pay cut and the Jets have some cap room now to work with over the next two seasons. Okay. So, interesting situation like it's possible that Dalvin Dalvin Cook doesn't leave New York without a contract yeah that would be insane and it's funny because there are other reports flying too you know in the Jets running back room it's like is he a Banacanda he isn't quite there yet you know he's not overtaking Michael Carter or Zonovan Knight but imagine if the Jets would add Dalvin Cook like how many quality starters do they have at running back at this point they have Brees Hall if they add Dalvin Cook so let's say Dalvin Cook is in the mix Zonovan Knight looked good last year you know, Michael Carter's yeah. a good pass catching back. Like, they, if you ask me, they probably don't need Dalvin Cook, but I could see why they would want Dalvin Cook because he's better than any other, other running backs on the roster at this point. And they're going to obviously help push for a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. He's now there. He restructured his contract. He signed. He took that 
cap hit, but also he's there for two years. It's a two-year contract. So yes. maybe it's not just a one-and-done deal for Aaron Rodgers. That's one of the things I'm kind of taking away from that. But well, um, he said also, himself. Uh, he said yeah. it himself in a press conference, I think it was yesterday or the day before, he said that the Jets gave up a lot for him and it would be a disservice if he only gave the Jets one year. Right. And it's easy to say that now ahead of everything because everything's looking good. <laughs> you know, We'll see how it goes after the season. I think the Jets are going to be just fine. But um, yeah, interesting definitely that Dalvin Cook is visiting the Jets. Um, I would be totally for that. You know, Brees Hall, I think he's going to be limited anyway coming back. I know he's like, ahead of schedule he's looking like he's going to be 100 percent at some point in the season but until he gets to that point you know dalvin cook being able to mix in there's gonna be two fancy relevant running backs in this backfield so i'm all for that i don't think breeze hall is going to have that type of you know workhorse volume at the beginning of the year at any you know level so i think that having dalvin cook there would make sense and you're right aaron Rodgers clears all that cap i mean what what else are the jets going to do with it at this point yeah, I think I think bringing in Dalvin Cook would be uh, a good idea for the Jets, just because they don't have to overwork Brees Hall, you know, in his you know first year back from that ACL injury, and he's a young running back. You know, they they invested in him, and they don't want to get into a situation where this is like a lost year for him because they have to overwork him, right? So bringing yeah. in someone like Dalvin Cook would alleviate a lot of those concerns uh, for Jets fans and. For that coaching staff, right? I think Brees Hall would have got a, a sizable workload this year. Maybe not, you know, what he would have gotten got if he didn't have that injury. But I think he would have had a pretty big injury. You know, let's, you know, assuming that Dalvin Cook does not make it to New York. So we'll see. We'll break that all down if Dalvin Cook does end up signing with the Jets. Uh, we'll see. Right. Maybe that comes in uh, on Tuesday's episode. So. Garrett Wilson did go down in practice today. It looks like an ankle injury. Um, didn't seem too severe because he was able to walk off the field, but he did limp off the field a little bit. So we'll see how that goes. But man, the hype videos, there hasn't been any more hype videos yeah. than the connection between Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson, dude. Like if Garrett Wilson's just fine, like this connection is looking like it's going to be one of the top connections in the NFL next year. Um, and it, it's making me want to just draft Garrett Wilson wherever, you know what I mean? Like the hype is getting to me, man. Yeah. And I know I'm a Jets fan, so like I might yeah. be a little bit uh, biased here. But, dude, like this connection is looking pretty, pretty sweet. Yeah, no, you can't deny it. And I don't blame you. I know you're a Jets fan, but I don't blame you for this hype because this one does look 100% real. Aaron Rodgers is enjoying the services of his first first round wide receiver in a long time. I, I don't know if he's had one in his career with Green Bay. I'm not sure. I, I forget if that's exactly true. I know I saw some sort of stat like that. But Garrett Wilson, obviously, elite talent. He's young. Aaron Rodgers is going to be a world better. It's going to be a whole new world for Garrett Wilson. Let's just put it that way. In terms of quarterback play that he's dealt with in his one-year career, it's night and day with Aaron Rodgers there. And you look at just the way that they've been playing in camp, super exciting. I don't blame you at all. I think Garrett Wilson is going to move up my rankings a little bit too. I saw that he jumped up above Devontae Adams and yours, <laughs> which is – I agree with that, I think, just because I think that Aaron Rodgers to Garrett Wilson is going to be a better I was, connection uh, you know, than Jimmy Garoppolo because, like, I've been Adams. trying – I've been moving Devontae Adams all over the place in my rankings, man. Like I had him yeah. like in, in one day, I had him at six and I had him at ten. Like I have right. him all over the place. And it's really hard for me. But at the end of the day, like I'm I am drafting Amon Ra over him right now. I am drafting Garrett Wilson over him right now. And that might just be blasphemy. That might be just a terrible decision. But Devontae Adams, you know, it, it just you know, it, it's not, I guess, it, the way I would describe it is not sexy. And I don't right. feel sexy when I do it. 
I feel, <laughs> I feel, you know, blah. You know, I feel like I haven't Plain. taken a shower in like two days. <laughs> you know, Garrett Wilson, yeah. I just feel fresh. You know, yeah. like I feel excited. I'm on Ross. Same thing. You know, he's the new he's thing. Exciting. You know, there's he's a new, new thing, exciting you know, thing. And, uh, on I want the, the new thing. You know, yeah. like, but Absolutely. you know, it is what it is. Um, uh, hashtag analysis. Right, <laughs> but Garrett Wilson. Uh, but, you know, just to go off of Garrett Wilson, just one second. You know, this last thing, I don't think it's anything serious. If it would, you ask me, ankles are not the worst thing. If he's walking on it, limping, ah, granted, he was limping. I think it's probably like a sprain or something. I don't, I don't think it's a break or anything like that. You know, obviously, worst case scenario would be like a knee, but it's not that. It's his ankle. So I think that whatever it is, he should be clear by week one, even if he misses time in camp. I think that he's going to be back by week one. So I'm not sounding the alarm, but obviously, not what you want to hear coming out of camp. Yeah, no, I hear that, man. I hear that. All right, so moving on. Everyone's probably wondering, like, yo, can you give me some real Devonta Adams analysis right here? Um, but you know, it it's it's a situation, and we'll talk about Devonta Adams a little bit more next week. But you know, long story short, I'm just a little bit worried about Devonta Adams and him catching long balls. Um, you know, more than intermediate. I think slants and you know those type of routes. I think Jimmy G is really good at those, and he'll be able to hit Devonta Adams on a lot of those intermediate routes, but. I think Derek Hart was the better fit for him in terms of like him, you know, catching balls more downfield. And yeah. that's my only concern right now with Devontae Adams. Um, as much crap as we give Derek Carr, you know, he's not, I don't think a game manager, he's capable of, you know, kind of allowing the receiver to take over the game where Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, he's just a game manager. Just don't lose the game. That's been his play style. And I know we had this whole same debate last year at this time. It's like, Oh, well, Devontae Adams going from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr. Is he going to be able to do it? And he put up 1,500 yards and a bunch of touchdowns. So it's like, are, what if, are we doing him a little bit of a disservice by having this yes. debate again? Maybe. But it's Jimmy Garoppolo. So, like, I, we, gotta, I we have to have a I have. I will admit that I have Devontae Adams way too low. Like, he's going to outperform the wide receiver 10. Like, it's going to happen. Yeah. I just, 100%. I just can't see myself putting him over, over those other guys. Uh, I, you know, the other thing I'm a little worried about, too, is like, if the Raiders are a complete shit show this year, like, are we going to be in a situation at the end of the year where Devonta Adams is just like has a quote unquote injury, and they're not playing him, right? Like, <laughs> right. I just I I worry about that kind of stuff, and I'm oh, yeah. also worried about Jimmy G not staying healthy the entire year. So we're looking at two great offenses in the Lions and the Jets this year. Like, I just rather aim for those guys. It really comes yeah. down to that. Anyway, I did not ex- ex- I did not uh, expect this to be an uh, Devont. I, I don't even know how we got to Devonta Adams in the first place. But moving on. Uh, John Harbaugh said that the J.K. Dobbins situation is complicated and they're working through it, uh, which kind of correlates to the fact that this is a more of a contract related issue uh, with J.K. Dobbins being on the pup than it is him actually being hurt. Um, right. he, the fact that he was banged up last year, you know, kind of is the reason why the Ravens are kind of like able to put him on the pup right now. Um, but we talked we already talked about this a little bit in the last episode about you know, this potentially being a move where, you know, if a team, if a player is on the pup um, and they can, they continue to be on the pup, then they, this season will not be a toll season, which means that uh, this will not be an accrued season. So that he'll be in the same exact situation as he is right now, next season, going into his last year, going into the last year of his contract. So that's the issue right now. I'm personally buying the dip. I think this, this situation will resolve itself. I don't see how, this situation does not resolve itself because Dobbins has no leverage here uh, because he didn't have much production. He only played pretty much one year, his rookie year, and that, that was it. So 
Uh, he did play very well, considering the fact that he was banged up going into last year, that the severity of the injury was bad. But, man, like he was pretty efficient you know, towards the end of the year. So something to look forward to for me personally. Like I think Jacob Dobbins can still do his thing this year. Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah, I, I do want to get into a lot of the hype because there's a lot to talk about here, Zach. Um, I want to start with Darren Waller. Darren Waller looking like the wide receiver one for the Giants right now, right? <laughs> Sterling Shepard's banged yeah. up. Wondell Robinson's banged up. They're both in the pub. James Crowder also hurt himself away from football. A calf injury, apparently. He's on the NFI list. Jalen Hyatt left practice early yesterday because of an illness. I think it was because of, a, because of the heat, um, but he'll be fine. He'll be back today. Uh, Darius Slayton was also banged up in today's practice. So, you know, the wide receiver room is all banged up. Obviously, you have um, – what's his name? Uh, Sterling Shepard, you know, coming back from the ACL injury too. So he's look he's looking like the healthy one, you know, out of all these right. guys. But um, Darren Waller, though, you know, red zone everywhere. Like, he is nonstop being he's – he's just being targeted nonstop <laughs> right now. And, yeah. you know – Dan Jones is looking at him. And I saw a report, you know, uh, from one of the beat reporters saying that they took um, Darren Waller out because he thinks that they just want Daniel. They want to force Daniel Jones to just throw it to somebody else. <laughs> so that's how much he's being targeted right now. So Darren Waller, you know, we, we talked about him potentially leading the Giants, uh, you know, in targets this year. And that is looking like the case, you know, right away as soon as training camp begins. Yeah, that's an absolute possibility. And it's funny, we talk about Darren Waller, the tight end, looking like the wide receiver one for the Giants. But you just mentioned Giants wide receivers, they're in shambles right now. Not not only are these guys just like, they're just guys, you know, none of these guys are really standouts at this point, you know, in camp. Like, everybody's hurt. They signed Cole Beasley, I remember, a couple of days ago. He's getting yeah. first team reps. Like, that's pretty bad when you take the guy off the street. And Cole Beasley's Cole Beasley. You know, he had a couple of good seasons. But you take the guy off the street, and he's starting first team for you, you know, to open your training camp because everybody's hurt. The one guy I didn't hear a whole lot about was Paris Campbell. I don't know what he's up to, what he's doing, if he's just kind of there. But I didn't hear that he's hurt. And apparently earlier this offseason, he was looking pretty good. So if I were to guess how these targets would shake out, it's going to be Darren Waller, obviously 100% at the top. He's going to get the most targets as long as he's healthy. And then Paris Campbell. And now outside of that, like, who else, who else do you have? I mean, Sterling Shepard's banged up, like you said. Wondell Robinson, same thing. I like both of those receivers, but neither of them have proven they can stay healthy over the course of a season. So, And Jalen Hyatt, you know, he was looking pretty rough, apparently, early in the offseason. So I'm not – I don't want to buy too much into him just yet. But the beat, beat reporters have said that Daniel Jones has a favorite target. I think that's just going to continue because Darren Waller is probably the best receiver that he's had to throw to in his career. I mean, I, is, that, is that much of a debate? I don't think it is. <laughs> I mean, Sterling Shepard was pretty damn good, but yeah, I mean, Darren Waller this year could potentially be that dude, right? Like, yeah. not, uh, you know, this is a situation where Darren Waller is going to be running routes like a wide receiver, running on the outside, running on the inside, out of the slot, off the line. He's going to be doing a lot. Let's just hope he stays healthy. If he does, then top five upside, you know, is pretty much locked in at this point. Yeah, for Darren it has Waller. to be right. Uh, you know the 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 hype is real on Calvin Ridley. You know, it's been real. You know, this entire mm -hmm. time, there's been so much hype on him, you know, since he made his return. A lot of people forgot that the Jaguars traded for him midseason last year while he was suspended. You know, they got him at a serious discount, it seems. And it seems like a lot of people have been getting him at a discount in underdog drafts and drafts throughout this offseason. Um, his price has been rising steadily. But at this point, man, like, 
Calvin Ridley, you know, a lot of people are assuming that it's going to be, you know, top 12 season for Calvin Ridley or bust at this point, you know? Right. But, you know, I will say the videos that have been out there have been impressive. You know, we don't want to get too caught up in these training camp videos, right? Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's funny, like that that video that was put out that everybody saw over the last couple of days with Zay Jones running a route right before yep. Calvin Ridley and then Calvin Ridley coming on right behind them. It was almost like Calvin Ridley was running at like, running that route like at 10x speed. Like it's like you sped up that video, video. as soon as yeah. Calvin Ridley started his route. But no, they were both in 1x speed. And, you know, he just runs a route like 10 times faster than Zay Jones did. Okay, so it it was just kind of funny. So, you know, he's looking like the real deal. Everybody is wowed by him in camp right now. And as long as he stays healthy, I think he's going to return on value on ADP and maybe even more. Yeah. You know, people have been saying he's a top 12 or bust for Calvin Ridley. You know, I'm looking at like top eight. That would be me. I'm huge on Calvin Ridley. I think he has that type of upside with Trevor Lawrence. He's going to help Trevor Lawrence a whole lot. And you mentioned that video of him running that route. Like, Zay Jones chopped his feet, you know, and he looked like he was a little top heavy running that route. He looked like just like, you know, a regular receiver. And Zay Jones, he might be like just a guy, but he's he's a good receiver. He had a solid season last year. There, there were weeks where he was the leading receiver for the Jaguars. But then you look at Calvin Ridley, it was so smooth. And it was just like all one movement. It almost looked like it was fluid. Like Calvin Ridley looks great. That's not what you expect to see from somebody that's been out of football as long as he had been you know, before the Jaguars traded for him. Like, obviously, he hasn't just been sitting around wondering when he's going to get his FanDuel account back or whatever. You know, so, like, he's going to – he's been, you know, keeping himself in shape. And he's in his prime, you know, for wide receivers. You know, 29 is perfectly fine in terms of, you know, age, 28, 29. I think he's going in his age 29 season. Um, He's still – you know, it's not like he's old or anything. He's not going to be able to come back or he's washed. We just saw those videos. He's looking like probably the best wide receiver in camp. I think even with all the target competition, like we talked about how there's Evan Ingram that has to be thrown to. There's Christian Kirk that has to be thrown to. Zay Jones, too, that has to be thrown to. But like at a certain point, when you have that much competition, somebody is going to separate themselves from the pack. And Calvin Ridley has the talent to do that. This was a first-round pick, you know, back in 2018 it was. So Calvin Ridley, I am in on him. I'm buying into the hype. I don't care. You know, I've been in on Calvin Ridley this whole offseason. So I, I think – you don't have to worry about drafting him, even with his price rising. You know, I'm just kind of taking him where he's going. It doesn't matter. Or even, sometimes even higher. I hear that, man. Rashad Penny taking first running back reps with the Eagles in camp. This was somewhat expected, right? Like, yeah. if you looked at the depth chart, looked at Rashad Penny's talent, obviously you want to make sure that he stays healthy, right, number one. But when he's healthy, he's going to be the guy on early downs behind this offensive line. You could see success for Rashad Penny, right? Like DeAndre Swift doesn't profile as somebody who's just going to get the rock like 20 times, right? However, Rashad Penny can be someone who could do that, right? He's a big back. He's explosive. He knows how to make guys miss. Great after contact. He's just a good running back. So as long as he's healthy, he's going to be that guy who is kind of like the Miles Sanders replacement. And then DeAndre Swift is kind of like this versatile running back who, you know, gets some stuff on early downs as well. Great offensive line, obviously, but the report out of camp with him is that he's he's you know kind of lining up all over the place, being used as an as an offensive weapon, right? Which yeah. makes sense, right? He's a pass, he's a he's a receiving game first type of running back, right? Where the run game could complement anything that he does, and in the run game too, like you got to get excited because of that offensive line and the offense that he's on. 
right? So, right. Um, something to look out for, Rashad Penny. You know, we've been talking about this since Rashad Penny signed with Philly <laughs> that he would likely be the their primary early down back when he's healthy. Right, and I think it's crazy that he's still going as late as he is in drafts, especially compared to DeAndre Swift. Like, I get it. We've talked about how receptions for running back are worth a whole lot more than just a carry. But when you're running behind the Eagles offensive line, I mean, Miles Sanders, he's good. But, you know, he's not that type of runner that Rashad Penny is. He had a huge season last last year. He was the RB15 overall behind that Eagles offensive line. You put a guy like Rashad Penny, who was second in the league over the first five weeks in yards per attempt, like we know the kind of runner that Rashad Penny is. And it's been, like we said, injuries that have been holding him back his whole career. If he stays healthy, like I'm not surprised that he got the first carry because in the first, you know, first team reps in the first practice, because he's the early down back. That's who is going to be on the field for more of the snaps. DeAndre Swift, he's going to get some snaps too. But when you look at the offense, that's that good. It's the Eagles. You know, they're going to be scoring a bunch of touchdowns, especially down at the goal line. Maybe they don't want to run Jalen Hurts into the pile all the time anymore because they just paid him all that money. You know, if they want to turn around and be like, okay, obviously Rashad Penny, he gets hurt sometimes, but we have a running back that's capable of punching it in at the goal line. We don't have to go to our quarterback every time anymore. I think Rashad Penny's in line for 10 touchdowns easy. If he gets that early down roll and he stays healthy, like 10 touchdowns I think is like the expectation on the Eagles offense behind that offensive line. So I am blown away that he's still going as late as he is in drafts. And, you know, obviously, like we said, this is expected. So you don't want to be like overreacting to it too much. Today or tomorrow, we can see DeAndre Swift get the first team, you know, carries. It could change. But I think the understanding is that Rashad Penny is going to be the early down guy. He's going to have more work in terms of, you know, snaps and volume. But DeAndre Swift might get more of the quality fancy touches. And I think that's yeah, kind both of what of these we're guys, It's kind of confirmed. Yeah, it. I think both of these guys have tremendous upside. And both of them should be considered league winning type of targets uh, yeah. in your draft. Okay. Um, if you had to pick one, I know they're both yeah. league winners. Who would you take? DeAndre Swift. Okay, that's crazy. Because I was gonna say I'd take Rashad Penny. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. I don't I, I trust DeAndre Swift more than more than Rashad Penny. I think Rashad Penny right. has much less of a chance of being involved in the receiving game. I think DeAndre Swift has that type of like RB one type of upside, you know, yep. where he could sustain that for the entire year. Um that's fair. And that's why yeah, he's going he's a little been, earlier yeah. drafts, one hundred percent. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um which makes sense. I mean, you know, him, but Penny taking the first running back rep also makes sense too at the same time, you know? Yeah. But like, it, it, guys, it, if I miss out on Penny in drafts and Penny, I'm sorry, if I miss out on Swift earlier in drafts, like six round or so, then Rashad Penny becomes a target of mine, like around the 10th yeah. round. Right? Are we overanalyzing this? We're saying that everything's going according to expectation. <laughs> you know, That's pretty much what it is. It's you know, all going is, according this, to plan, guys. <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports 
Center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Moving to Washington here, Sam Howell, you know, everything that I'm hearing out of camp right now, that his arm is strong and accurate. That's from one of the beat reporters that I saw on Twitter. I have another guy who's at camp right now telling me that Sam Howell is looking pretty impressive. Okay, so Sam Howell, he could be a dark horse fantasy QB1, man, because yeah. he has Eric Bieniemy behind him, right? Apparently, the play calling and the play design that has been another huge topic of conversation in camp so far. Okay. And that's obvious, right? Coming from that, you know, Andy Reid tree. Yeah. Right. But look at his weapons, right? Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson. Apparently. So, you know, I've been seeing rumblings about, uh, Diami Brown making a bigger impact and him being more <laughs> involved. Right. And yeah. you obviously have Curtis Samuel too. So this is very interesting to me. And you know, I think the the I think the commanders got a steal, uh, you know, when they picked him in the draft because they picked him they picked him at a point where, you know, he was coming off a down year and he lost a bunch of his weapons and he had to take a lot of that stuff on, into his own hands and he ended up just rushing, you know, on every play instead mm-hmm. of passing the ball because he didn't really have anyone to throw to, and he right. also lost Javante. He they also he also lost Javante Williams and Michael Carter that year as well. So the offense was on his shoulders. He took a step back, but it's possible that he ends up looking like the guy that we saw dur- during his junior year at UNC. Yeah. So if that's the case, man, like I think that there is a possibility that he's a top 12, top 14 quarterback for fantasy at some point, dark horse, obviously, you know, I, yeah. obviously, you, you know, not a huge chance that happens, but I can see a path of that something like that happening. And if we're going to look at any surprise at quarterback, like out of these guys who were ranking super low in our fantasy rankings, I think he could be that dude um, with the supporting cast that he has and the talent that he has that I think is being slept on right now. 100%. And what's the word that we've been throwing around every single episode we talk about, Sam Howe? Gunslinger. Gunslinger. And that report that you just said lines up perfectly with, you know, that word that we've been throwing around, gunslinger. I think that Sam Howe, if you ask me, I'd be much happier taking Sam Howell right now at his ADP. Obviously, it's like nothing. Sometimes he clears the draft, and you can pick him up in waivers. I'd be much happier taking Sam Howell than I would be taking Kenny Pickett. Like, Kenny Pickett's going before him. I think that Sam Howell has higher 100%. upside. Oh, yeah. 100%. So, like, Dark Horse, especially, I think, is perfect. Especially given the fact that Matt Canada is still calling plays in Pittsburgh. Okay? Yeah, that is, like, the biggest, that is <laughs> the biggest thing that the – Steals need to fix right now. Like they got to get rid of that that guy. He is calling the most simplistic plays ever. He's ruining Deontay Johnson's career right now. 
Okay. Yep. He is even even George Pickens, like all he's doing is running nine routes when he should be can can we get a little bit more of a diversified route tree for these guys? Right. Seriously. Anyway, I, I, sorry, I, I I digress. Yeah, no, you're fine. But you talk about the scheme difference 100 percent You know, I look at Kenny Pickett too, like the type of prospect he was, sure, in that 2021, was it 2022 class or 2021, whatever it was coming out, you know, it was a not so good quarterback class. Like Kenny Pickett, sure, he was the best, quote unquote, and he was drafted the highest. But like, would you take Kenny Pickett if you were in a draft and both Kenny Pickett were available and Sam Howell after his junior season were available, who'd you take? Like, oh, Howell, it's not even close. It's not even close. So, like, then you look at the prices right now. Look at the weapons. I I like Deontay Johnson. I like George Pickens. I like Pat Fryermuth. That's all good. But Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Antonio Gibson in the backfield, you know, Brian Robinson's a nice early down bruiser. Like, good, good offensive coordinator, Eric Benamy. Like, what is he really doing going behind Kenny Pickett at this point? Like, Sam Howell has much higher upside. I think Dark Horse is a perfect word for him because. He's going at a point where nobody sees him coming, but like we're talking about him. We've talked about him like this whole offseason, somebody that could, you know, ascend and into that tier of like high QB2, low end QB1 potentially. And we're not even talking about, we haven't even mentioned like his rushing ability, you know, like that he can run. In one start last season against a good Cowboys defense, obviously it's a small sample size, he finishes a QB7 on the week. So it's like that has to tell you something. So I, I think that Sam Howell, 100%, you know, if these reports are true, which I don't see why they would lie to us, that Sam Howell is definitely in line to be like one of the biggest surprises, you know, this season. And, and we're seeing a little bit of a connection, too, between him and Terry McLaurin so far in camp, which is something you love to see. You mentioned Antonio Gibson. He said that he sees himself taking on the J.D. McKissick role, which is that pass-catching role, third down, yeah. end of half, you know, end of, end of game, two-minute drill guy. That's what you want, okay? Because if he's going to get that, Plus some a roll on early downs. This is exactly what you want with Eric Bieniemy. Okay, and this is what we've been right. talking about this entire offseason too, man. I love that a lot of this stuff is confirming our previous biases. Um, it's what you want to hear. A lot of this stuff is not going to confirm it, but like so far, so good, Zach. So yeah. far, so good. But we'll see what actually ends up happening on the field, right? This is still hype at this point. Yeah, right. 100%. So we have to keep that in mind. Okay, I want to move to Nick Chubb and Jerome Ford. Jerome Ford is the clear number two running back in Cleveland right now behind Nick Chubb. He's impressing in the receiving game, apparently impressing in, in, with his pass blocking. His GM came out and said that, you know, one of the reasons they drafted Ford was because of his receiving skills. Right. Um, right. And he might be taking Kareem Hunt's role here. Right. Like everyone's assuming that Nick Chubb is just going to get Kareem Hunt's role and he's going to get more pass catching and that's that's possible because of the fact that the Browns might be going a little bit more pass heavy this year early downs Chubb will be on the field and then you know running some more routes maybe getting some more receptions that'll be awesome but like if you look back at what Kevin Stefanski has done anytime Kareem Hunt has missed like Chubb ne- never got that early down role right like whichever running back was available whoever it was they just stuck him in that Kareem Hunt role when he missed games right yeah. Right. No. So, like, you look at, you look back, like, I'm looking back at these games, like, and, and this is route participation data according to Fantasy Life data. Okay. And when we're looking at games like in 2021, Hunt missed week seven to 11. Okay. Chubb didn't play one of those games. Uh, Dearness Johnson, Demetric Felton, uh, they took a majority of the routes on dropbacks. Um, week nine that, that year, Dearness Johnson shared in rap participation. Nick Chubb only had 42% rap participation that week. Week 11, when Kareem Hunt missed, 
only 33% rap participation, not good. Uh, and then Kareem Hunt missed weeks 15 to 18 that year. Um, only 66% of snaps for Chubb. And Dearness Johnson played most of the two-minute offense, right? And Chubb got all the work in the run game. 42% rap participation. Week 16, only 41% rap participation. 60% of snaps. Week 17, week 18, 42% of snaps. 24% of snaps because, you know, for whatever reason. But, you know, he was just – they just never gave him that role. Right. They just never yeah. gave him that role. So it's like I don't know if I want to expect it this year, especially given the fact that it seems like they are potentially – going to give that role to Jerome Ford. Now, if Jerome Ford sucks in that role, which is possible because he wasn't a prolific pass catcher by any means in college, you know, he was somewhat versatile, right? But he wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily super efficient or anything like that in that type of role in college. Maybe we see Chubb start to get that role back a little bit in the middle of the year, potentially. But as of right now, it does not look like Chubb is going to be seeing like, you know, 75% of snaps or anything like that. Right. Yeah. And that hasn't been the case his whole career. You know, you just outlined it pretty well. But with Jerome Ford, you know, I'm looking at it, too. Like these reports are all great for Jerome Ford. You know, he's going to be getting some of the receiving work. He's going to be working in. It's not just going to be Nick Chubb's show. That's cool. But I'm still looking at Jerome Ford. He was he was a late he was, you know, he he was drafted by the Browns. They mentioned that they drafted him for his receiving chops. He just mentioned that he wasn't much of a pass catcher. I think that Nick Chubb, he might not get that 75 percent of snaps, but I think he could climb into like the seventies. You know, I, I think that he could get there. He might, I think we could see Nick Chubb get a little bit more work, a little bit more diversified work, even if it doesn't come at the expense, the total expense of Jerome Ford, if that makes sense. Like Jerome Ford, he's going to get some touches. He's going to have his opportunity, but I think Nick Chubb is still the guy. I think if this was, if there were any year where Nick Chubb was going to see a slight bump in workload, it was, it's going to be this year because Kareem Hunt isn't there. I don't think Jerome Ford, is a Kareem Hunt type of player just yet, if he's ever going to get there. Um, but right now, good reports for Jerome Ford. Maybe you can target him as a handcuff. I don't think there's a problem with that. But this report doesn't like scream out to me. It's like, okay, it's time to start moving Nick Chubb back down the rankings and move Jerome Ford up or anything like that. You know, I'm not overreacting to this report. This was just like, cool, Jerome Ford's going to have some work. Add somebody else to the running back pool of the draft later in your draft. But Nick Chubb, I'm, there's no reason to worry about him even if Jerome Ford does get a bunch of snaps because Nick Chubb has been able to do his thing even on 50, 55% of snaps. So yeah. it doesn't really change anything for me. It's just like, cool, Jerome Ford might be a better pick than we anticipated going into the offseason after the draft. The reason why I think it's actually more significant than how you're laying it out is because the range of outcomes for Nick Chubb changes depending on if there's another running back getting that Kareem Hunt role. Right, because Kareem Hunt was still even last year was still getting thirty to forty percent of snaps, and Nick Chubb was coming off the field on third and longs. Right, and if if they're going to be passing the ball more this year, is Chubb going to be on the field in those situations? Right, like in those situations where they are clearly trying to pass the ball. Right, and that's my concern because, and this doesn't mean that I'm moving Nick Chubb down. What this means is that I shouldn't be moving Nick Chubb up to a top five fantasy running back because of the right. fact that because of that very reason, if I'm going to, if I'm going to say that, Oh, Nick Chubb is going to be on the field for 60% of dropbacks. Then at that point, I'm like, okay, now I got to move Chubb up because that means that more targets are coming. But if he's going to still stick around that 30 to 40% range, um, that's not a, a change in role from last season. And last year's role was awesome. 
But right. can it get better without Kareem Hunt? Yes. But now are we looking at a running back taking that Kareem Hunt role? Potentially. So it's more about, okay, damn, like I guess I can't move Nick Chubb higher than I want to. Because if he's going to get a little bit more, more work in the receiving game, like I might move him up to like a top three running back this year. You know what I'm right. saying? Like I, I might move him up ahead of Bijan, you know, as my mm. RB3 overall mm. this year because, yeah. because of the fact that, number one, he's a better running back than Bijan. And number two, like if he's going to get 50 catches this year, that's pretty much in line with what the, the type of workload that Bijan's getting. So that's, that's where I'm at with it, right? Like how far along the scale am I going to consider Nick Chubb in terms of his, his potential? This season. Yeah. That, that makes, makes sense. sense. I agree. Now, Jonathan Taylor, another running back, he's starting camp on the pup list just to make sure his ankle is all good. He did have ankle offseason, uh, ankle surgery this offseason. Okay. So he had that high ankle, those high ankle issues last year. Then he re aggravated it and they did some corrective surgery. So he should be good to go this year. But it's just a matter of him. You know them slowing him down a little bit at the beginning of camp and making sure that he's all good before you know he gets started. Um, right. Let's see what else. What else we got? Cal Pitts, he's in a knee brace, but he's practicing in full. He had that uh, surgery for his torn MCL. Uh, is this is not something to be concerned about as far as the injury goes? You can have your concerns with Cal Pitts, but the injury should not be one of them uh, because he's he's expected right. to be one hundred percent by week one. Yeah, much bigger question mark at quarterback for the Falcons than anything with Kyle Pitts' knee. I think that's one hundred percent the case. Would you <laughs> would you would you consider um, Desmond Ritter somewhat close to a potential fantasy relevant quarterback? Kind of like how we're talking about Sam Howell. Like, yeah. is he in that range that could mm-hmm. potentially happen? Yeah, I, I think. Would you when you look at over Kenny? In that with that same question that you have, there's there's more risk with Desmond Ritter for obvious reason. I mean, we saw more of him last year. He didn't perform, you know, the way that Sam Howell did. You know, he didn't score a whole lot of touchdowns, but he didn't throw interceptions either. So he was also a later round quarterback. He was a, well, I guess he was drafted higher than um, Sam Howell. But Desmond Ritter, I think that there's more to it that his situation than there is with Sam Howell. I think Sam Howell has a better offensive coordinator and just coaching staff in general, better scheme. Desmond Ritter has Arthur Smith, Mr. Run the Ball, you know? So I, right. I'm not sure how much of a ceiling he's going to have in a passing game. And we saw that he didn't run it a whole lot either last year in the couple starts that he had after running it pretty much at Cincinnati in college. So for him, I think that there's definitely more risk. I think where Sam Howell has the upside, we talked about him as a gunslinger, somebody that has the weapons, you know, he could sneak into that top 12 QB1 range. I think Desmond Ritter is more of like a solid efficiency-based type quarterback. I don't think he's ever going to jump over 24 or 25 points in a game, but I could totally see 250 yards and two touchdowns kind of being like the norm for him because he has the weapons. He has the offensive line. He's in a good situation. I compared it to Dak Prescott in his rookie season where he had the good offensive line, the good weapons, a new rookie running back, you know, drafted very high, and Dak Prescott was just fine. He finished as a low-end QB1, I believe in his rookie year. So I think that Dak Prescott obviously was a little bit better than Desmond Ritter is going to be, but I think Desmond Ritter, if he's efficient, he can be better than Kenny Pickett. Am I taking him? It's not for me. Am I taking him over Kenny Pickett? For me, it's not like that cut and dry where it is with Sam Howell. It's like, why are we taking Sam Howell after Kenny Pickett? I think there's a debate to be had, but I think 
I might take Kenny Pickett just because there's so much riding on Desmond Ritter where I could easily see him flaming out and just the whole offense kind of like coming down because the only thing the Falcons offense need, needs to work for everything else to go right, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, the only thing they need is Desmond Ritter to play well. And if he doesn't, then the offense could flame out and then it's just Bijan, you know? I hear that. Moving to the Patriots now. Uh, Tom Montgomery... He is not listed as a running back anymore on the depth chart. He is officially a wide receiver. Right. And that's kind of what you want to hear if you've been drafting Ramondre Stevenson. Okay. So Ty Montgomery has been working with the receivers. Okay. He has not wearing, he's not, he has not been wearing that padded helmet that running backs have been required to wear. Okay. Uh, also, he's also been killing it. In camp, like the number one player who has been killing it in Patriots camp so far has been Ty Montgomery as a receiver, catching multiple touchdowns, all right, being his versatile self. You know, interesting note, right? It, it does right. seem like he's a wide receiver, though, at this point. And when Belichick was asked like what his position is, he said versatile. Um, <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, that's so, a very Belichick answer. Very Belichick answer. But, like, this is interesting. Because if Ty Montgomery is not going to be the primary running back on third downs and passing downs, you know, like he was supposed to be going into last season, then, and by the way, last season in training camp, he was killing it too before he got hurt. But yep. th- this is kind of good news for Ramondre. If Ty Montgomery is, because before, before this, he was listed as a RB slash wide receiver. And now he's listed as just a wide receiver. So that's yep. kind of, it's kind of good to hear, even though, I wasn't fading Ramondre for Tom Montgomery, but like in the back of your mind, you know, I could totally see like week one, like, you know, third and eight, Ramondre comes off the field and in comes Tom Montgomery. And then the entire yeah. fantasy world just, just melts. melts down. Yep. 100%. We both chose the word melt. That's hilarious. That, that's what <laughs> would happen though. You know, everybody'd be like, what is Ramondre doing off the field? Yeah. Tom Montgomery. I think that him moving there, it's definitely. You know, good news for Ramondre drafters, anybody that's in on Ramondre. Like, obviously, it's just a little detail on the depth chart, but it matters, you know, especially at this point where you think about the role that Ty Montgomery was supposed to have in the backfield. I still think there's a chance that we see him just kind of float into the backfield a couple times, you know, this season, just to screw with Ramondre drafters a little bit. But Bill Belichick would be that guy. But um, I, I think that we could see him line up in the backfield a couple times, especially on third downs. It's not going to be at a consistent rate, though, so I don't think anybody drafting Ramondre has to worry about that. But it's also interesting because Montgomery, I think originally in Green Bay, was a wide receiver, and he kind of made that conversion to running back with Green Bay, and then he just kind of went as a running back for a while, and now he's like getting back to receiver. The Patriots clearly have a need at receiver. I mean, they have Juju Smith-Schuster, and that's about it. I mean, I know they signed Devontae Parker, That was a questionable signing, if you ask me. Obviously, there were a lot of incentives with that, but they gave him pretty much money as a wide receiver, too. Like, I think that there's enough, you know, openness in that wide receiver room that somebody could break out. And I'm not saying Ty Montgomery's going to be that guy. He's suddenly going to be this high producer. But there's definitely a need at wide receiver. And if you have a guy like Ty Montgomery on your roster at running back, why wouldn't you move him to wide receiver when you have a guy like Ramondre Stevenson that can shoulder the full workload? You know, so I think that it's kind of like an auxiliary move, but it's filling a need for the team. And that's just going to help, you know, Ramondre um, and just our prospects for Ramondre this season. By the way, um, uh, Robert Sala was just at the podium. Jets head coach. He said that Garrett Wilson is okay. 
Um, all indications are showing that he's okay, and they're just going through procedures to check out his ankle. So it doesn't seem like a... So he just rolled his ankle. <laughs> potentially. 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 They're still going through, the, going through the motions to, to, to completely diagnose that. So hopefully it's not a high ankle. That's the thing that I'm concerned with. Right. Yeah. So hopefully he'll be fine. Uh, I want to stay with the Patriots real quick. Juju is looking like he's continuing his like slot wide receiver story, right? Like he's been working almost exclusively inside. Um, it is an interesting note because of the fact that the Patriots are looking like they're going to go a lot of two tight end this year, a lot of 12 personnel, which means that in 12 personnel, Juju won't be on the field potentially. Yeah. That is a possibility. Okay. So keep that in mind. I still think Juju is a decent value in drafts. If you're looking for like a safe player, I'm not really going out of my way to grab him, but I do think he's a, you know, I think he's a value in terms of him definitely outperforming his ADP. I think that's going to happen. Um, yeah. But it's funny because, you know, their their head coach, um, I'm sorry, their, their OC, Bill O'Brien, is actually showing tape to Hunter Henry and Mike Gusecki uh, on, on Aaron Hernandez and, and Rob Gronkowski um, <laughs> and, and how, they, how he used to run them. So it's looking mm-hmm. like, you know, Bill O'Brien has full intention of running a similar type of offense with, you know, kind of through those two guys. Right. Yeah. So at that, if that's the case, then how much value is Juju going to have? I think he's in line. He could get 80, 90, maybe, maybe a hundred targets. I think 80, 90 is probably more my projection for Juju, Yeah. especially if that's the way they want to run it. But that's still going to be plenty enough for him now perform where he's being drafted. I think what scares people the most about Juju isn't Juju. It's Mac Jones. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. at least if it's me, like I'm looking at, it, it's like how much, of a passing up how much passing upside in terms of volume is this offense going to have like if they're going to just tailor it to the tight ends the big targets running down the seam for mac for mac jones i think we could see more of a run heavy offense mac jones hasn't been he's not like an incredible arm talent so i think the upside's kind of missing with juju and that's what's pushing his price so low but he has that floor because he's going to get the targets anyway he's the best receiver i think by a clear margin on the team outside you know of the tight ends who are supposed to be used so I don't in, think in today's practice, at least, you know, um, Juju was targeted more than any, any other wide receiver. Um, right. You know, so that's that's that tells you what you need to know. Uh, he would be the only wide receiver that I'd be looking to target, honestly, on the Patriots, if anybody. Right. And okay. I don't think that Mike Kosicki or Mike Kosicki and uh, Hunter Henry are anywhere near the level of Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. But they can try and rebuild that if they want. You know, they can convince it's, themselves it's that that's more about work. it's more about Mike Kosicki <laughs> being drafted super late. And him potentially yeah. cracking the top twelve uh, as yeah, a low end fantasy tight end one. That's that's mm-hmm. really about it, though. I don't see any more upside than that. Right. Um, a guy that you've been targeting, you know, all offseason and touting Zay Flowers. You know, it seems like he's the guy right now. Rashad Bateman still now on the field. OBJ is on the field, uh, but you know, Flowers and Lamar apparently have a really good connection. You know, connecting a lot short to intermediate. Uh, haven't really used him much deep just yet in practices, but. I'm sure that will come, uh, but it, it is possible that, you know, right now, Zay Flowers is looking like the guy, um, and if you can get a, a the potential wide receiver one um, on a, you know, relatively balanced squad, definitely more pass-heavy than they were previously with Greg yeah. Roman, um, I think that is a good uh, a good target, you know, to to have, and we've, we've, we've beat this, you know, horse to death mm-hmm. at this point, but, you know, uh, targeting Zay Flowers is probably a, a pretty good idea at this right. point. Especially at his um, price. It's still very yeah, low for what he, yeah, for the it, upside he offers. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think there's not many 
there's not a whole lot of scenarios that would even if Rashad Bateman ends up coming back and being the guy later on in the year, I I, I still think Zay, Zay Zay Flowers is going to end up like outperforming his ADP regardless. To be yeah, honest, one hundred percent. Brock Purdy is back. He's back in camp. He has been completely cleared with zero limitations, um, which is good to, good news for him. I mean, we're it's early, dude. It's it's end of july first you know first training camp um so he's scheduled to throw today in camp which is good news for the 49ers and the questions will be like is he looking at the same guy right so um that's that's that those are questions that we want answered we will see what happens by the way uh you guys might have seen that i I, we threw out 32 questions to be answered by all 32 nfl teams in training camp we do that up on instagram go check that post out um it's going to be interesting um, yeah. I'll, I'll say that like, this is an interesting time. Brock Purdy, this whole situation, man, you know, apparently, uh, Trey Lance and Sam Darnold have been splitting first team reps in yesterday's practice. Um, you know, before Purdy was, you know, completely ready, they kind of held him out last, last, uh, in, in the first practice, but he's expected to be back. I, I wouldn't take too much like, you know, if he comes on second or third, like I wouldn't take any any stock in that. You know, I would, you know, he just this is the first practice. So let's see what happens. Obviously, they want to make sure that he's right. But also, you need to make sure that all the other receivers are getting practice too, right? So you can't just have him come in. And if he's not 100%, you know, you can't have him just, you know, have the all these other skill positions players like not do well because of the fact yeah. that they're just making sure that Brock Purdy is okay. So that's good news, though. You know, if the 49ers, you know, really trust Brock Purdy, that he's going to be their guy week one. That's what it seems like right now. I think that's the best news that we've had so far for me from, you know, that piece of news, not necessarily hype, but piece of news, because we saw what Brock Purdy was able to do, hyper-targeting Brandon Ayuk, hyper-targeting George Kittle, and actually being pretty fantasy relevant himself, throwing at at least two touchdowns in each of the five games I think he started at the end of last season. Like, he played very well, and he was actually serviceable as, like, a mid QB two, so I think he's pretty much like Jimmy Garoppolo, which is funny, but he has his targets. And if Brand Brand Ayuk wants to break out, I think Brock Purdy is going to be a really important part of that. We saw the way he targeted yeah. him last year, and so if that's the case, Brock Purdy's the guy. I don't think there's a situation where he isn't. You know, I don't think Trey Lance or Sam Darnold are going to kind of jump up and be like, "Yeah, we're not going to start." We're not going to start Brock Purdy. We're going to start one of them over him. I, I don't see that happening. Uh, unless, unless, personally, unless Purdy is absolutely terrible in camp and these other guys can make a little bit of a, um, you know, a, a, of a jump. If they're good and, you know, Trey Lance has, you know, improved his release a lot quicker now. So mm-hmm. it is possible. Like, uh, you know, you can't close the door on that because right now he is their QB1. Uh, Brock Purdy is. But I, I don't think the door is completely closed on these other guys because, you know, Purdy, small sample size last year. You know, he was in camp with these guys last year as well. So, you know, just got to keep an eye open on on this on this room, on this quarterback room, and see what happens because anything is possible, as we know, yeah. with San Francisco quarterbacks over the right. last, like, 10 years. That's how it's been. <laughs> it's really how it's been, man. Um, moving on to the Browns, Elijah Moore, man, continuing to get hype like he as soon as he got traded to the browns man otas mini camp and now training camp is continuing to happen man he's con- he's continuing to to be targeted by deshaun watson there's a huge connection there stefanski you know called him positionless right he could they could line him up all over the place talked about him lining up in the backfield as well 
Uh, Amari right. Cooper, you know, he had that tweak uh, a few days ago. He's apparently getting close to returning. We'll see when that happens. But in the meantime, Elijah Moore is collecting all the targets. Um, is he a, a, a major target for you in drafts? I don't think he's a major target, but I think with where he's going in drafts right now still, like he's going to be an extreme value. You know, I think Amari Cooper is still going to pace the team in targets, but I don't think Elijah Moore is going to be that far behind. Like people can point be like, oh, David Njoku. Like I think David Njoku is honestly going to finish third in targets, I think, at the highest. Like I think it's going to be Amari Cooper. Behind Donovan Peoples-Jones. That would be crazy. The only reason I don't see that happening is because I think Don Peoples-Jones has a clear role, which is like down the field. They have Amari Cooper as the do-it-all, and they have Elijah Moore as, you know, the short routes, intermediate routes, running the slant, running out of the slot, that kind of thing. That's what I think is going to keep Don Peoples-Jones from really, you know, moving anywhere higher than fourth in terms of targets this season. But I think Njoku is the most in danger, in jeopardy, of having his role kind of overtaken by Elijah Moore. I think Elijah Moore is going to be the number two target. So if you can have the number two target and Deshaun Watson-led offense, assuming Deshaun Watson looks like you know, Deshaun Watson that we know from 2018 to 2020 and not like last year, which all the reports have been that he looks like a different player, I think that Elijah Moore is going to be a value. I, I'm not like running and trying to get him in every single draft or anything like that. He's not like a target target of mine, but like I think – a lot of times I find myself going down the board in those later rounds and thinking, what is Elijah Moore still doing here? You know, I think that the upside is there. His price is still probably going to come up a little bit, especially if these reports keep happening. But I'm all right with where Elijah Moore is at. And I think that he can have a really, he has a really clear path to outperforming his ADP. I'm with you, man. Moving on to the Bills, James Cook. We talked about him a ton on Tuesday after the Naheem Hines incident. Yeah. Um, but he his OC said that he is a three down he has three down back potential and he's very versatile. And that pretty much goes in line with what we've been talking about with him at yep. this point. Okay. And remember, three down back doesn't mean every down back. Okay, three down right. back just means you're capable in all three downs, and you probably have a role in all three downs. It doesn't mean that you'll be on the field for 90% of snaps, which will be pretty much impossible for James Cook. You know, we'll probably see at most 65%, which would be amazing as long as he's yep. being targeted in the receiving game. Okay. Um, moving on to the Chargers, it seems like that offense is going to be a lot more explosive this year, you know, not be a dink and dunk offense like they were last year. Now with Kellen Moore coming in, it seems like all, all they're trying to do is just down the field, down the field, down the field. This is good for Mike Williams. This is good for Keenan Allen. Uh, Quentin Johnson, we haven't heard much about him just yet uh, from camp. It might happen. But, like, again, like, is, is, does this mean that Austin Eckler, you know, is not going to get have like a 90 catch season this year, right? Like it, that could be the case. You know, we talked about Justin Herbert's, uh, you know, a dot right last year. It was extremely low, man. It was like, it was like almost like the lowest in the league last yeah. year, right? That, that doesn't make any sense. Like unacceptable like, for a guy with didn't his arm. Just, yeah, they didn't just pay him all that money. By the way, he just got the bag. He got yeah. the bag. Justin <laughs> Herbert did. So they didn't pay him all that money just to throw it to Austin Eckler. You know what I'm saying? They, they paid him because they know he can make all the throws. And I think that's right. what they're going to do this year. So that's good news for all the wide receivers there. Um, listen, man, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more in on Gerald Everett just looking into it. Like, I kind of feel like he's a little bit of a dark host. No one's really talking about him. A little bit of a post-hype sleeper. You yeah. know, Gerald Everett. I, I've, been t- I've been grabbing him here and there in some underdog drafts that I've been doing lately when I've been missing on early round tight ends. He's somebody that I've been pairing with, like Chico Conquo. 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, Greg Dulcich, right? When I'm grabbing those type of tight ends, like I'm, I'm grabbing him also just to see what's up. Because if his rap participation goes up, we know that Kellen Moore loves to use his tight ends. And that was just a random thing coming out. But he's the type of guy who could, you know, also stretch the field, you know, down the scene. Yep. I mean, he's a like, much better athlete than Dalton Schultz was. And we oh, saw yeah. the offense that Kellen Moore was running last year in Dallas. It was a high-flying, high-scoring target downfield. Justin Herbert has a bigger, better arm than Dak Prescott. I think Kellen Moore is going to use that to the full extent of Justin Herbert's ability. And with all the weapons that you just mentioned, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Quentin Johnston, Gerald Everett, Austin Eckler, you know, if there is going to be an odd man out, if they're airing it out, no one's airing it out to Austin Eckler, you know, with the weapons that they have at receiver. So I think that Justin Herbert stands to benefit too. And we saw in Justin Herbert's production last year that that a dot actually did really hurt him. You know, there's no reason to have a guy with his type of arm. You do any type of film study on Justin Herbert. You see him make every single throw with, with ease. It's not like he's struggling doing it under pressure, all that stuff. Like Justin Herbert is a very good quarterback. He can do, make all the passes. I think he stands to benefit the most from, you know, I think the pace of the offense is going to move faster with Kellen Moore. Everything is just pointing up. Justin Herbert might be moving up my rankings a little bit. They just paid him. Obviously, that doesn't have anything to do with it. But like, man, that was a lot of money, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. And he just mentioned it. Like, they're not going to pay him that type of money and have him run the same offense that they did last year. That's why they brought Kellen Moore in. Sam Laporta. Looks to be the starter in Detroit. Good for him as a rookie tight end. That's a it's a pretty nice feat. And they seem like they, you know, they have said that he proved it, right? Like they didn't say like they didn't, they're not just giving it to him. Multiple coaches have said that no, no, he has uh, proved that he is capable and he's proved that he is uh going to be the guy at tight end for us this year. Um now, how much of a role will he have year one? Like that's my concern, right? And right. And, and I, I think, you know. I'm not sure if I'm drafting him. Like he's not my favorite late round tight end. Um, but who would you rather have right now? Like, would you rather have someone like Dalton Kincaid? Who do you think has a bigger role in year one between Laporta and Kincaid at this point? Definitely Laporta. I mean, I mean, Kincaid, there's a clearer path to him getting there, but like I just don't see that happening. With with the way that Josh Allen has, you know, he runs. They have James Cook now in the passing game that they're probably gonna have him more involved. There's going to be, you know, less opportunity, I think, coming in. Both of them are going to have limited opportunity. I think Sam Laporta has a better shot, too, because he's only contending. No. Okay, I'm, I'm convincing myself about both. Do I like either of these guys? I don't think I do, because I'm looking at both of them have I, a stud. I, I, don't like, I don't like either, too, but let's start yeah. over. Okay, like, yeah. who do you think has a bigger role year one, right? Maybe not, you know, and then obviously that would result in some more fantasy points for one of them. Right. But right. if you choose in one guy, like who do you think you would go with between these two? Because because I think it's it's relatively close. Yeah, I think it's very close. I, I think I would go with you know, okay, now now I'm kind of leaning Kincaid because I look at the quarterback. And Jared Goff is Jared Goff. I think he can do what he needs to do to produce, but I think Josh Allen has a bigger arm. I'm looking at it, I'm comparing apples to apples here. Both of them have a stud wide receiver one. Amon Ross St. Brown and Stefan Diggs. Both of them have a pass catching running back. Which would be Jameer Gibbs and James Cook. Both of them have a bruiser in the backfield, David Montgomery and Damian Harris. Like they're very, very similar situations. They're both rookie tight ends. But at that point, it comes down to the quarterback for me. I think Josh Allen, I don't trust Gabe Davis to get that type of target share. Jameson Williams, I think, is a very similar player in terms of his role in the offense that Gabe Davis is going to have. There's so many parallels. 
they're both in the same boat for me. I'm not really targeting either of them, but if I had to pick one, I think I just convinced myself I'm going with Dalton Kincaid here. I think Sam yeah, McCord, even if he is a starter, Amara St. Brown is just a target machine, and he's looked ridiculous. Yeah, me too. And the way I, I I look at it is like yes, like the QB situation definitely better in you know in in Buffalo, but like who has a who has a better chance of getting being the number two target? I think it's Kincaid, right? Like over right because you know we know that Gibbs is going to be extremely involved in the receiving game, right? So you got Amon Ra, uh, and you got Gibbs. Now Stephon Diggs is an outside wide receiver, right? So like, do they really have that middle of the field guy in Buffalo? I, I don't think they do, right? And Detroit does. They have Amon Ross St. Brown in the middle of the field running out of the slot, you know, most majority of the time. So right. the middle of the field is somebody that some a place that Dalton and Kate can potentially, you know, create this role, right? And and you know, create that mismatch uh in the middle of the field. But also it's like, how much is he going to be sharing with Dawson Knox? Don't forget about him. He got paid, mm-hmm. right? Are they going to be you know, is the rap participation going to be there for Kincaid, like off out of the gate? I don't think so. So the answer is nobody. Yeah, that's neither. the answer for the, for this <laughs> season. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on. Um, Frank Reich announced that Bryce Bryce Young is a starting quarterback for the Panthers. Uh, that's that was going to be obvious at this point, but he did officially put the stamp on it, and we'll yeah. monitor to see like how these connections go with all these wide receivers because. There's going to be an odd man out here at wide receiver in terms of at least when they go 11 personnel, right? Because they got uh, they got Mingo, right? They got Terrace Marshall. They got uh, DJ Shark, who's been connecting with Bryce Young a little bit more than I anticipated so far in camp. Um, but I've seen reports about connecting with every single wide receiver so far, except Terrace Marshall. But, you know, Frank Wright did say that Mingo has to earn his role. But he does right. look good so far. That's what he said. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Like, I would anticipate Dylan being on the field on every play. I would anticipate um, maybe Mingo potentially being in the slot, you know. But we'll see, man. I think after Thielen, it's a little bit dicey. Uh, but I would I would put money on Mingo being the slot wide receiver. But at the end of the day, like you never know. Um, right. But DJ Shark is looking like he's going to be a, a legit part of the offense uh, at this point. Uh, we'll we'll yep. see how that ends up going. But Zach, you, you you've been on Thielen this entire offseason. So, yeah, um, that's he's obviously the guy that you're targeting. Uh, among, music among to my group. ears. You know, I I figured this would be the case, and just hearing that Mingo has to earn his role, but he looks good so far. Lines up exactly with what I was kind of saying that it would take him a little bit of time to acclimate to the NFL climate. Perfectly fine. He's a rookie wide receiver, but Thielen would be the guy early on, and maybe even throughout the year because he's a veteran working with the rookie quarterback. I don't see DJ like DJ Chark. Sure, he's having a good camp, that kind of thing, but he's a deep threat. And Terrace Marshall, he's had opportunities, you know, before. Obviously, the quarterback situation hasn't been ideal. He's had opportunities, he hasn't really capitalized. I think Thielen, like you said, is going to be the primary receiver. I think the primary receiver on the offense with the first overall pick in the draft, Bryce Young's going to be good enough to at least propel Adam Thielen to a top 40. I think finish. And that's going way ahead. That is even way ahead of where he's being drafted right now. So for me, I've been pounding the table on Adam Thielen. I'm just going to keep doing it. He's not a monster guy. He's not going to have a huge season, but I'll tell you, he's going to have, especially in PPR format value. That's going to way outweigh what he is going at right now in drafts. Uh, CJ Stroud uh, still hasn't been named the primary starter just yet, uh, but you know he's working with the twos at times so far. You know with Davis Mills competing, I would assume that changes relatively quickly. Um, yeah. I would assume that they also name 
a starting quarterback at some point. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, moving to the Chiefs, Daenerys Prince, undrafted rookie running back for the Chiefs, basically this year's Isaiah Pacheco, you know, at this time last year, right? Like, right. he's being yeah. worked to the first team offense. They're using him in the receiving game. It's possible McKissick, like, isn't this slam dunk to be the primary pass catching running back? Like, obviously, I mean, I think I'd bet on McKinnon before Prince, but something to monitor as camp continues, right? One thing to keep in mind was that, you know, he was not a prolific receiver out of the backfield in college by any means. Okay. So um, just keep that in mind. If you're now on the, on the, you know, if you're now on the generic Prince, you know, hype train, hype train, like just keep that in mind. Uh, Pacheco is back in practice, not at full capacity just yet, but he is there. Okay. Right. Um, the drumbeat continues for Sky Moore, man. Like, you know, He's probably getting the most hype out of any of these Chiefs wide receivers. His ADP is going to rise. It's happening. Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, obviously with the Kadarius Tony injury, that all that combined is going to make Sky Moore's price go higher. Um, he is in line to potentially be their starting slot wide receiver. Rashi Rice, though, apparently leading receivers in first team reps. Okay. So that's really, really good news for him. He's going to have opportunity now. And now, you know, he's starting to be somebody, too, that we might have to start targeting and taking shots on because he's tied with Patrick Mahomes. And if he's going to be on the field, you know, more than these other wide receivers, because this, you know, it is possible that we see some sort of rotation, just like we saw last year. You know, you kind of want to target the guy who's going to be on the field the most. And it's possible that it's Sky Moore. That would be my bet. Uh, MVS would also be my bet to be the a guy on the field, even though he's not going to produce for fantasy consistently. Mm-hmm. But Sky Moore... Rashi Rice and MVS could be the three guys there. Obviously, you have guys like Justin Ross, you know, on you know, Clemson wide receiver. He's been impressing a little bit too. So there are a few wide receivers here to potentially chase. Um, but as of right now, the guys to, to target probably Sky Moore, Rashi Rice. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, 100 percent And Sky Moore, I think, has a lot more security than Rashi Rice in terms of where, you know, not only just where they're being drafted, but also just the role in the offense, you know, there's not really anybody that's, I think, going to challenge Sky Moore in a way that's going to take him off the field where somebody could challenge Rashi Rice. Even though Rashi Rice looks good, it's only been a day or two in camp. We'll see how things go. I think Rashi Rice is something that the Chiefs haven't had in their offense in a long time. You know, he's a jump ball guy, a bigger receiver, where, you know, he's going to be able to go out, make those passes, uh, make those catches down the field. Tyreek Hill was able to do that, but he was more of a speedster. I think Sky Moore is the safer pick just because the volume is going to be there in the slot. There's nothing wrong with taking Rashi Rice ever since Kadarius Tony went down. I think that Rashi Rice is a fine pick. I, if I had to bet, you know, who's going to have a better season between these two? They're both going relatively cheap. I, I'd say Sky Moore pretty easily. If I had to choose between Rashi Rice and Justin Ross, I'd say probably Rashi Rice because they drafted him, you know, relatively high. I think it was in the second round. So, oh, yeah. Rashi Rice, you know, they have a clear idea of how they want to use him. I think it's going to be behind Sky Moore in terms of you know, usage and production. But I think that Rashi Rice can definitely, he's like a dark horse to be like a, a weekly fantasy contributor. I don't think he's going to have solid numbers at the end of the season, but there could be weeks where he just has a big game and that might make him, you know, a very, very, very risky flex option. I, I'm not really projecting a whole lot for Rashi Rice this season, but where he's going drafts, can't beat the price. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you, man. Um, I think that's going to do it. Like, I'm just scrolling around right now, like, as you were talking, uh, just to see if there has been anything to talk about, because training camp is literally happening, like, right now. Um, As we talk. But, yeah, yeah, like, one thing to note is that Josh Palmer, 
uh, is playing as a wide receiver three over Quentin Johnson right now, uh, which is hilarious because Quentin Johnson the other day said that he won the wide receiver three job, right? Uh, but right. it's funny because, like, you know, you okay, so here's my thing with Quentin Johnson, right? Like, I, I think the um, the draft video was a little bit over the top. I don't know if you saw it when he was like, All right, mom, you don't got to work anymore, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that's cool, like, I love that that he's he'll he's able to do that, but like, you don't really see a lot of like players saying that type of stuff like on draft day because, yeah. like. There's a lot of more work you got to do, right? To like maintain yourself, right? Like, right. That, that's the hope, right? Um, I mean, just and then John like, Ross, he just retired. He just <laughs> retired, and like, yeah. and, and then on top of that, like, uh, and then you know, like a week or two ago, he said that, "Oh, I'm glad I won the wide receiver three job," and like, you don't really hear like players talk about that either, right? Do you ever hear like a players like? Oh, like I won the number two job, or I won the number three job, or like anything like that. No, like, like self-reporting. Really that yeah, no. either. So, like, if I was a coach and I heard that, I'd be like, dude, like, what are you doing, right? Yeah. Um, and it's, now Josh Palmer is playing ahead of him. So, I, I, is that a coincidence? <laughs> I don't think so. No, it, it's not. I don't think it's like inflammatory to make those comments. Like, cool. no, like he could sure. say that, but it's not like the humble you know like well yeah. just got to earn it here in the league you know sure i got drafted i got more to prove that's usually what you hear from any player that gets drafted you know so right it is funny to think about like i would understand him saying mom you don't have to work anymore after he got his second contract you know like if he's in just <laughs> right, herbert's right, position right, right. or if he's in any you know other player that got a contract about it. yeah yeah then you can say that but it's a rookie contract and yeah it's gonna be for a lot of money Trust me, a lot of money. That's a lot of money. But as a rookie, you know, you got way more to prove than that. And then it is funny if you come out and you say that you won a wide receiver three job, and then Josh Palmer. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Josh Palmer, but he's just a guy is coming out and he's playing ahead of you. Like that. That's just a little. Yeah. I mean, listen, uh, that might change very soon. I um, think it will. I, I think it will too. But we'll see how that goes. Anyway. That's going to do it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, this, you know, If you guys uh, want to check out Underdog Fantasy, please do that because you could do Best Ball Josh right now. If, you, if your league isn't coming up anytime soon and you want to get some drafts going, make sure to use Upper Hand when you do sign up because you will get your first deposit doubled up to $100. So make sure to go check out Upper Hand. Uh, I'm sorry, underdogfantasy.com, but use code Upper Hand. That'll do it for us, guys. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday with some more stuff. We'll see you guys then. It's draft season, baby. Let's win those championships. Let's go. See ya. Bye.